and welcome to another Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine, featuring interesting, inspiring, educational, and entertaining stories, discussions, and interviews of purpose, with purpose, on purpose. Hello, everybody. This is J.W. Najarian with On Purpose Magazine, and we're here today with Joe Dennison of Stratospherius. How are you doing, Joe? Doing great. How are you? Wonderful. You're in New York today? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm actually home in New Jersey, right across from In New Jersey. Very cool. How's the weather? It's really nice. Beautiful fall day. Well, it must be one of those days because L.A. is having uh, just left its heat wave. We're having pretty decent weather today, too, so very nice. You guys always have decent weather. I'm just <laughs> yeah, I wish that was true. We we have mostly decent weather, I should say that. Mostly. Well, more more often than we do. That at least let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it out there, but uh, I can't take the uh, I can't take the humidity. It's too much. Yeah, it's it gets pretty nasty in the uh summertime. But I do like the snow though. But, yeah, you know, we didn't really have any last year. Oh, that global warming thing, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a drag. I wanted to go skiing and there was really no opportunity to do that. <laughs> so. Listen, for everybody who doesn't know Joe Dennison and Stratospherius, uh, Joe is the uh, head of the group. Um, you're, uh, you're the leader of uh, Stratospherius. You're the electric violinist and vocalist, and you've been called the Jimi Hendrix of the violin. Uh, Stratospherius has showcased, uh, they call it a frenzy melange of... Uh, Alt bluegrass, progressive rock, jazz fusion, and funkabilly. Um, is that what is that what you'd call it, Joe? Uh, I just call it stratospherious. I don't really like to. <laughs> I hate describing our music. I just let let people describe it from themselves. Um, but I guess you know what what it's generally. I guess I, I describe it as progressive rock uh, mixed with uh, elements of uh, jazz, funk, gypsy music, and a little bit of bluegrass. Yeah, Wikipedia says that they called. They said it was called psycho jazz trip funk, and you know, I, and I was like, really? You know, I mean, because um, I have the uh, Next World album, which we'll be talking yeah. about, mm-hmm. and uh, you have so many genres of uh, different types of music in this album. It's like, uh, who'd want to like pigeonhole you into one thing, right? No, I think that's the term that was used for us years ago. That. You know, our music has changed so much since then that I don't really think it applies, but it's it's on Wikipedia for some reason. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I hate, you know, people want to put everything in a box and categorize it. Um, I, I can list what our influences are, and I guess I just tell people, you got you got to hear it and make up your own. No, no, give me your influences, because I was going to go over a couple that I I heard in there, and so I'd love to hear what you, what you, what you actually, uh, what actually influences you. Um, well, I'm a huge... One of my favorite artists of all time is Frank Zappa. There you go. Huge influence. Um, definitely a lot of '70s progressive rock bands like Yes, King Crimson, uh, Mahavishnu Orchestra. Um, it, going to Radiohead and Muse and Flaming Lips and groups like that. Um, Led Zeppelin, huge influence um, <clears throat> in the classical side of things. Stravinsky and Shostakovich, and from a performance standpoint, I'm actually a huge Springsteen fan. So, <laughs> <laughs> Jersey. I just happened to see him last week, and he played for almost four hours. So, wow! Not that, Still not that doing we play it. for not that we play for that long, but uh, it's it's a four, it's quite a feat to do that when you're 63. <laughs> I hope to be able to do that when I'm 63. And play. Oh, I hear long. you. 
Yeah. And you mentioned uh, uh, Mahavishnu Orchestra. We just uh, did an interview with Ken Scott, the engineer and producer on some of their stuff. And uh, wow. I went back and listened to some of their stuff because I hadn't heard it in a while. And it, wow, great music. Yeah, that that really, that music's in my DNA. It really shaped, like, you know, when I first heard Birds of Fire, it was just a, an epiphany for me. I'm like, that's what I want to do. You know, when I heard Jerry Goodman play electric violin like that, it couldn't. I couldn't believe it was possible. So, just opened a whole new world for me. Wow! Right now, we're um, you're, you're talking from Jersey. You guys are kind of New York based uh, for the most part. Um, uh, you guys have been playing for quite a long time. Is that correct? I've had this group for for over ten years. Uh, different lineups and configurations, and we started out as just an instrumental fusion band. But now it's mostly uh, stuff with vocals with with a lot of instrumental tunes mixed in, um, and we've, you know, the, the lineups have changed over the years, but it's, the group is my brainchild, and uh, we've had a lot of great musicians come through the band. Right now, the, the lineup that's been on this album and has been touring for three years is myself, Aurelian Bootyneck on guitar, Jamie Bishop on the bass, and Luciana Padmore on the drums, who has been with us. Yeah, I was really happy to see a woman on drums, and she kills it. She's amazing. She really does. It's funny when people see the band hanging out at a restaurant, they automatically think she's the singer in the band. Because <laughs> they see a woman, they think, "Oh, you're, you can't possibly be anything but the singer." But she's she's got pocket for days, as as uh, a friend of mine said. She's a real great drummer and good friend. Wow. One of, you know, you're talking about your influences, and um, I'm going to tell you what I heard in there a little bit as, as I was listening, because I'm a big fan of uh, Jean-Luc Ponty, and of course, um, with some of your stuff, I think one of, like, Fleshpot on that album, you know, a lot of, you know, fusion jazz, but melodic, great stuff. A little Noel Pointer maybe in there. Um, some Alan Parsons, because you had mentioned some of the rock, I, you know, and... And you're singing on one of the songs, um, I think it was Missing Link, I actually heard like uh, uh, a Steve Miller singing influence. Am I catching any of these? Um, I never thought, you know, it's funny, some influences are conscious, some influences are subconscious. Right. I never really, I listened to all, the, all everything you mentioned and maybe some of that stuff seeped in, but I never consciously compared myself to, to Alan Parsons or Steve Miller, but... Um, but I'll take it. That's, that's yeah, right. there you go. If that's what you're hearing, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just absorb everything and whatever comes out. I think the, the key is to find your own sound. And right. It took it took me a while to really figure out who I am, what kind of music I, I want to play with this band. And um, well, it really helps really, with the musicians you have because they're top notch. I mean, over the line top notch musicians. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I feel really blessed and. Um, I'm also happy to be living in a place full of amazing musicians. So I'm really glad that I found these guys, and they've put up with me for for a while now. So, <laughs> and we still really enjoyed playing together and, and traveling together. So, are, are you a perfectionist like Frank Zappa was? Um, I'm. I guess I I am a perfectionist, but not like Frank Zappa was. You know, I like to have a life. Zappa would lock himself in the basement for 20 hours at a time and not sleep or eat and. Have his, he rehearses musicians ten hours a day, you know, six days a week. Um, I'm not that fanatical. <laughs> but I, <laughs> yeah, I heard he was brutal. You know, That's why I brought him up. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, when I make when I was making the album, it took me three years. 
Uh, some of the songs have like 35 different mixes, and I, I can go a little crazy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but there's crazier people out there than me. Well, let's talk about you, Joe. Um, I mean, you played the electric violin, a little mandolin, and everything. But you're you're well known for the electric violin. Let's start out for the geek heads and the the tech heads. What kind of uh, <laughs> instrument are you playing? Um, my main instrument, my weapon of choice, is a Mark Wood seven-string Flying V fretted Viper electric violin. And, right. Uh, Did I see frets on that in one of the videos? It does have frets. That's wild. And many violinists will, will call it cheating. And what I say to them is, you know, you're still getting paid the same, so why work so hard? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, it, it, it's all the way it plays, and, and it sounds amazing. I, I like having the frets because as a singer, because I sing and play violin at the same time, right? which not a lot of violinists can do. And uh, when you're in a loud rock and roll situation and you're dealing with monitoring and, and noise and everything, it really helps to know that you're dead on with, with your instrument. And, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's got uh, some, a lot of advantages. But it's, it's also got uh, seven strings as opposed to four, so you can play really low notes. You can play distorted power chords and all kinds of crazy stuff. Wow! So, uh, that makes gives it a lot more gives you a lot more colors to paint with. Wow! Oh, that it makes it a lot. It makes it really fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the instrument. I, I, you know, there's a lot you could do with it. So. Very cool. And um, you know, you're growing up. I mean. When you, I don't know where you did you grow up in uh, Jersey or New York? I actually grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, we we ended up there because I we came my family came from Russia when I was four years old. My dad mm -hmm. is a violinist. He's, my parents are both classical musicians. My dad is a violinist who landed a job with the Cleveland Orchestra. He, we came here. He just auditioned everywhere, and Cleveland is where he landed. So we moved there, and it was a good place to grow up. Good music scene there. Learned a lot of things there, and um, you know Cleveland gets a bad rap, but I, I will always stand up for Cleveland. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it, you can't answer the question of how a, a kid from uh, Cleveland, Ohio, gets into the violin. Um, yeah, well, it was sort of handed to me when I was five, and by my parents, and. Uh, but I, I somehow always knew I didn't want to be a classical musician. I, I just found it kind of limiting. It's no disrespect to anyone who plays classical music for a living, including my wife and my father. But for me, I was always fascinated with the performance aspect and the creative aspects of rock and roll and jazz and electronic music, and I felt that that wasn't really... You know, I, also the, the potential for huge communication large masses of people through that music. So uh, I think that's why I sort of went, veered to the left, so to speak. Um, I still play a lot of classical music. I practice all my Bach partitas and Paganini caprices at home. Um, right. But my wife can play circles around me when it comes to classical violin playing. So I sort of do my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you talk about entertainment value because the music value is definitely there. Um, Thank you. But I understand your live show is fun. It's great. A lot going on. Um, we try to put on a good show. I enjoy performing. I enjoy freaking out on stage. And, you know, I'm an entertainer as much as, as a musician. So we try to have fun with it, and hopefully that translates to the audience. Hopefully people feel that. 
Very cool. And Stratospherius, um, I have here in my notes that uh, you guys were the winner of the John Lennon International Songwriting Competition and uh, Best Jam Band uh, in the Musicians uh, Independent Music Awards. Um, yes, a few years back, one of the songs, this was actually off the album Adventures of Stratospherius from 2002. Um, the album was actually under my name. It's a song called Sun Go Do Goes Down, which is a sort of a bossa nova ballad, more of a jazzy kind of thing. Um, right. That was uh, winner of the jazz category in John Lennon competition a few years ago. And uh, Musicians uh, Atlas Independent Music Awards, uh, a few years back we won the jam band category, which was judged by Victor Wooten, bass player from Ayla Fleck and, and a bunch of other people. So, uh, oh. yeah, we've had, we've had some really cool awards and accolades, which is always very flattering. Well, that's cool. That's very cool. So the next world, I'm, this is the one I've been listening to. It's funny because um, I was on, you know, I Googled you up when I first heard we were going to do the interview, and um, I Googled you up and listened to some of your stuff there. And so I did kind of uh, expect more of an um, instrumental album uh, from what I had heard on the web, and I was very surprised uh, there's a lot of sing there's a lot of singing on this album, and it's really good. Um, thanks. Yeah, I, you know, I've always, uh, I think over the over the years, the, the, I've been writing more and more vocal songs for the band. Um, I always imagine what well, wouldn't be cool, you know, if there was a group that had the instrumental, uh, the crazy instrumental element that like Mahavishnu had, and all the all my favorite groups from the '70s, but also had great vocals and and good songwriting, because that's something I was always uh, right. a fan of as well. So. I, trying to marry those two things was a, a big challenge over the years, and I, I think I'm getting closer. <laughs> this album has uh, probably the most vocal songs that we've done on one album so far, but there's also some great instrumentals like Fleshbot and Road Rage and Ballad for Ding Bang. Which are actually two of my favorites on there. Uh, Road Rage, I happened to listen to this. I got a chance to drive a very long drive from here to Vegas, and um, I put it in and listen from start to finish and uh it it was really fun because i get you know i don't think most of us in this technology age get to listen to a whole album front to back anymore we're we're all so adhd we listen to a thing here and a thing there it was nice just kicking back with and especially since there's so many genres of music every new cut was a whole new experience it was great well thanks and it's funny you mention that because um you know, whenever I download an album on iTunes or whatever, I always make I hate doing the shuffle thing. I always make a point to listen to something in sequence because I know right. as an artist that you you like you go nuts trying to sequence the songs properly to tell a story. And I remember all the, my favorite albums growing up that they just all took you on a journey, told a story, and it wasn't just a bunch of random songs thrown together. So I wanted to create that for other people, and I think that experience is lost today because people don't allow themselves to to experience that. They just want maybe one song or just, you know, shuffle everything around, and that's one element of uh, great records that I, I've always enjoyed, you know. Oh, I hear you. I, I, could, I can't imagine just listening to a cutoff Dark Side of the Moon <laughs> or putting Dark Side of the Moon on random. Like, well, it makes no sense. Exactly. So it's funny, like you don't see a lot of concept albums being made for, anymore for that reason. <laughs> um, 
and it's it's too bad you know we're, we're there's you know a lot of great singles and, and it's a lot of great music being made right now but i always encourage people you know especially kids who, who grew up in the digital age to uh give an album a chance and listen to it from the beginning to the end you know before you make up your mind and choose if, you know <laughs> just stick to one or two songs you want to listen to over and over again I know it's tough nowadays. We have the attention span of uh, goldfish. I understand now. So, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, I have, I have faith in the human race. <laughs> there you go. Well, you're going to help bring it back with uh, great albums like The Next World. So, um, The Next World. How did that come about? Um, you mean the? How did the record come about? Yeah, um, you guys decided, was it music that you had written and you wanted to get out, or did you write new for the album? Well, our last album, Headspace, which came out in 2007, quite a while ago, um, it, it's funny with me, I, I go through periods where I don't write any music at all, I feel like I have to finish a project I'm on, and I can't write anything until that project is done, and then I have like a flood of new material as soon as that project is finished. Right. So as soon as as soon as Headspace came out, I started writing new new stuff for the band. And um, in, in 2008, um, I, I wrote most of the most of the songs in 2008. A few of them I had lying around for a few years, and then I eventually we eventually had enough material for a new album. And um, my wife got pregnant at that time, with our first baby. And oh, congrats! I felt like, thanks. Yeah, he's three and a half now. Um, All right. But yeah, he, we, I felt like we had to track this album now because when he's born, I don't, I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought my life was going to end. <laughs> I won't be able to do music anymore at all. So uh, we, we tracked it in the fall of 2008, but then uh, mixing it took forever. Because around the same time, I got an offer to write a book for Mel Bay uh, on electric violin techniques, which also mm-hmm. came out this year. And uh, being a new father was a huge readjustment, so a lot of things got put on hold. And uh, mixing and, and other stuff and other projects came up as well. I put out a jazz album that I had been working on for a long time in 2010. So anyway, it took long story short, it took three years for this album to see the light of day. And um, I was really meticulous about mixing it. I guess I, I, I was kind of overly anal about it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I'm glad it's done and I can move on. I'm already writing new material. We have a few new songs we've been premiering live and uh, I'm really grateful for the amazing response it's gotten <clears throat> from a lot of critics and DJs and everything and fans so, well it's a solid music album for sure um, musicians will love it uh, people who like solid music will love it um, you, you were talking about the mixing of the album um, as a musician myself when you put when you do something because uh, this is there's a lot in, you know, there's a lot to this album. When you do some of these uh, real technical songs, and uh, is it hard to get that some of the feel of the song from the album into a live uh, performance? I think it's the other way around. It's hard to get the feel of a live performance onto the album. Ah. I've studied videos of us playing in in a nearly empty room, and us playing in a packed house, and we play differently. When when the, hmm. when the when the crowd is into it and it's completely packed, the energy level and the the uh, the electricity and the interplay is so intense and so amazing. And when when we're kind of not inspired and there's not a lot of people there, we try to put it out. But 
there's nothing coming back to us. So it's we, right. just the performance is different. So when you're in a studio, which is a static environment, there's no audience there to play to. So you have to cap, get into that zone in your head, and it's really hard to do. That's why some artists... I, I read somewhere that Frank Sinatra would have a, an audience in the studio when you recorded his album. <laughs> um, some bands do that, you know? So right. everyone's always trying to capture that live feeling in the studio. It's a challenge. It's really hard. So And, and also... When you have songs that have a lot of overdubs, in it, this album there was really thick arrangements, a lot of overdubs. So right. you're not you're not just playing live in the studio; you're layering and doing all these intricate parts. So it's just a different animal altogether. Do you hire uh, extra musicians for the road, or um, we can't? Uh, I wish I could afford to. We we hire extra musicians for the studio. We have a percussionist uh, named Benny Kunievsky that's sort of the, the invisible fifth member of the band that's played on our last two <laughs> albums. And um, uh, who else? A few, a few people. Well, <clears throat> the Maz Swift, my friend, uh, who co-wrote the song uh, Missing Link, played uh, sang backup vocals on it and played a little bit of violin on it. Um, and uh, the older, the previous lineup of the band with Mac Price on guitar, and the late great Bob Bowen on bass played on one of the tracks, um, "House Always Wins," which Matt co-wrote with me. So we have—I like to bring in outside musicians in the studio. And, well, you, you, know, you brought it up, uh, Bob Bowen. Um, This—I uh, understand the album is dedicated to Bob in his passing. Yes, it is. Uh, also, he—he he played on one track and he did all the artwork. The cover art was his, and the inside artwork was his. Um, Bob was killed in a tragic bike accident in 2010 right. um, and um, he played on the Headspace CD, the last Stratosphere CD and the uh, Exuberance which is the jazz trio project I did in 2010 um, and he was a dear friend of mine for 13 years so I thought it very fitting that we dedicate the album to him and uh, the the title is sort of symbolic as well Wow, that is fitting, wow So, so some of the music on the album that caught me, uh, and I already mentioned uh, Fleshbot and Road Rage. Fleshbot is a very, uh, yeah, it's very fusion jazzy, but also very melodic, uh, and I really, really enjoyed that one. The other one was Road Rage, that we mentioned. That's uh, like really hard rock, and you're a guitarist. Um, I can't say his first name. Aurelian. Aurelian Budnyak? Budinek. Uh, like, no, I, I, I totally trashed his name, but wow! And what French. an incredible talent! <laughs> yeah, he is. He is incredible, and uh, I've been. It's funny with this band, you know. Um, maybe I love the interplay with violin and guitar, and there seems to be some kind of a lineage. Like if you if you look at Stefan Grappelli and Django Reinhardt in the thirties, mm -hmm. like they have the Hot Club of France. This virtuoso guitarist and this amazing jazz violinist just going at it back and forth, playing some amazing stuff. You know, going going up to the '70s with Mahavishnu, with John McLaughlin and Jerry Goodman or John Lafonte. Um and I just love playing off of really awesome guitar players. I guess I, I call myself a guitar player trapped in a violin player's body. I mean, <laughs> I, I played guitar growing up, and I, my heroes were all guitar players. So, I right. Sort of, but I channeled that through the violin. So that being said, I've had some amazing guitarists to to play off of in this band. 
from Alex Skolnick to Jake Ezra. Um, well, Alex, let me go through him. Alex Skolnick, who everyone knows from Testament, he was playing with us for three years. Jake Ezra, who uh, plays now on the Book of Mormon and helped write that the music for that show. Um, Mac Price, amazing guitarist from Texas that played on the Headspace album. And Aurelian, who plays on this album, has been playing with us for, for four years. Um, came out of Berkeley, was recommended to me by a friend of mine when he first moved to New York. And I snagged him before anyone <laughs> anyone else did. But uh, he's, a, he's a pretty busy guy as well. He plays with Cindy Blackman and Vernon Reed and Felix Pastorius. He plays uh, uh, in uh, Rock of Ages and with... Uh, on Broadway and uh, wow. a few other bands. So you know, all these all these great musicians that I've had the pleasure to work with, and you know, Aurelian is still performing with us a lot. He, we're actually, um, for, is your show syndic- national syndicated or is it just in LA? It's national. For those uh, people on the East Coast, we're playing in at Bar East in New York City next Wednesday at ten o'clock, and uh, on October. That's uh, Wednesday, October 3rd. And on October 10th, we're playing in Philadelphia at the Grape Room at uh, 10 o'clock as well. So Very cool. Are you doing any... Uh, I, I'm looking at your show notes here. <clears throat> you doing anything on the West Coast? Um, not right now, but uh, we will. We, we actually, a few years back, we did a tour of the West Coast, and um, hopefully in the next few years we will come back. Yeah, well, everybody should go to... Um, it's uh, either I, I'm not sure if the, you have it on JoeDennison.com. I know <clears throat> Stradivarius.com, Stradivarius.com has it on there. And can you spell Stradivarius for us? Because it's, it's yes, easy I to prob- misspell. I, <laughs> I probably should. It's S T R A T O S P H E E R I U S. And where'd the name come from? Uh, well, our music is up in the stratosphere and. <laughs> Uh, Stradivarius is a very famous Italian violin maker from the 17th century whose violins go for millions of dollars now. So I sort of combined those two words. Um, and, you know, for some reason the name stuck. It's not the easiest name to spell, but <laughs> once people know it, they know it. And uh, Stratospherius is the name of the band. Well, I think it's, it's a cool. It is hard to it is hard to spell the first time, but uh, it is a great name. And the album cover you're talking about, Bob Bone, the album cover. It's a it's a really the artwork on it is amazing. I really, it, every time I pull it out, I, I get uh, I'm compelled to, to to really look at it. And that's it's been a while since I really stared at a CD cover. <laughs> I think you know the look of the even though CDs are kind of on the way out, but still. You know, it's, when you go to shows, people are going to buy your CD. If they like the music, they want something tangible to take home. And right. the, the cover's got to be compelling, and it's got to make people want to listen to the music. It's got to be inviting. So I always pay a lot of attention to that. And uh, Well, it, yeah. you guys did an amazing job. Uh, you, you can uh, – we, we just mentioned your .com, your uh, website, and it's also joedennison.com. You also have that one open. Yes. Uh, Twitter and Facebook. You're also on there, right? We're on we're on Facebook. We're um, Facebook forward slash Stratospherius. Uh, Twitter Joe Denon Zone. Um, that's J O E D E N I N Z O N. And JoeDenonZone.com. And also, I should mention we're starting our first Kickstarter campaign. We just launched 
uh, we're, we're going to make a video for the title track off this album, and we're trying to raise some money to produce it. So if anyone out there wants to help us out, we'd really appreciate it, and we'll give you free stuff in exchange. Oh, very cool. And I've been saying your name wrong the whole time. Uh, so uh, my listeners, that's not going to be a big surprise to them because I usually muck something up. But it's Joe Denenzone, not Denison. <laughs> so I it's apologize common, about it's that. It's a common thing. <laughs> so that, no, don't, no worries. You know, it's, it happens. Uh, okay, we could also find you on Reverb Nation, right? Yes, Reverb Nation forward slash Stratospherius. Okay, and uh, we can buy your CDs at uh, iTunes, CD Baby, Abstract Logic, um, Am- all those Amazon probably. All of the above. Yes. There you or go. If you, ju- if you just go to our website, there's links to all those uh, outlets where you can buy CDs. Oh, very good. Buy CDs. Uh, Bandcamp as well. Bandcamp. What's that? That's another. Oh, website. is that is that another site? Another site to, where where artists sell their music. That's cool. Let me ask you, you know, um, the music industry, because things are changing. Technology's moving things along very quickly. Um, There was, you know, a few years back, um, there was a lot of problems with music companies supposedly making money, and then iTunes came along with a really great, I believe at least, a really great uh, alternative that uh, that seemed to work, 99-cent singles and uh you know pretty pretty inexpensive albums so you can get what you want and you can pay for it um but they seem to be getting a little greedy sometimes uh the, the costs are going up and there's a lot of people out there publishing their own stuff and doing their own distribution what do you, what do you, what's your thoughts on all that stuff i think um i mean it's good and bad there's a lot more power in the hands of uh, artists but uh, a, a lot of it comes down to money. If you have the money to hire you know, the best radio promoters, if you have a, first of all, you've got to have a great product. Right. But also, if you have money to hire a great radio promoter, a great publicist, um, a great everything, um, and, and really push your product for an extended period of time, you need to have investors. You, need to have, you basically need to do exactly what a record company would do in the old days. But right. you have to do it yourself. And if you do it yourself successfully for a longer period of time, then the record companies start to notice and they might pick you up. Um, the, it, in the past, there would be such a thing as artist development. People would hear potential. Somebody would would hear you at a club and be impressed with your talent. And even if at the time you don't have a huge audience yet, they would invest money in you and uh, put you out there in front of an opening for well, better-known bands. And you know they it, they would people would think more long term. Um, now people just think short term. They want the immediate payoff. They want a guaranteed profit. You know? Right. And it's 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 unfortunate in that respect because not everyone has all that money to promote themselves adequately. People find creative ways to do it. Um, so you know. That's unfortunate right now. No one, no one. There's very few visionaries in the business end of the music business. Everyone is just about the bottom line all the time. And I think there's got to be a balance, you know. Um, and uh, 
what else. But the, on the on the flip side, I think, um, like I said, you know, independent artists, you can get as creative as you like. You're not you don't have to be a slave to to anyone telling you what kind of music you have to play. Um, right. And, and it's there's so many opportunities to sell your music and and um, and promote yourself if you know what you're doing. That it's it's a great time as well. Right. So, uh, it's, I guess the biggest know, issue is the marketing effort. Uh, it's like authors or anybody else out there, um, and, and that is that you know you you write the song, you produce the song, you get out the CD. Uh, that doesn't. Uh, you put out the web page. You, you put yourself on uh, iTunes. That doesn't mean anybody's coming. You really at that point, you know, your journey has just begun with marketing. And getting it out there, unless you said you have the money to hire the big marketing arm to do that for you. Yeah, I mean, Facebook and MySpace and uh, YouTube and uh, Reverb Nation and Sonic Bids and all these websites are great, but you still have to there, – there's so much competition for people's attention on, on, on this little box, <laughs> little right. computer. So you just have to shout at people, and whoever shouts the loudest wins. You know, you have to just constantly be out there and, and – promote yourself through all those outlets and uh there's but there's people you could hire that that do that for you that can uh do the work of uh, there's just not enough hours in the day if you're a musician trying to play especially if you're if you have a day job or if you're you know running around taking care of your family you know working if you have a three-year-old <laughs> yeah exactly it's you know you got to delegate that to, to people sometimes you know it's it's uh it's challenging it's it's fun and challenging, and at the end of the day, you know, the, the physical need to play music and create will always be there. So that that doesn't change. You know, the the way people consume music or the the way they promote it might change. But mm -hmm. have you played overseas? Um, not with this band, but I've toured with with other artists overseas. And, uh, yeah, one, one of my understandings is that uh, overseas they have so many clubs open to live musicians, and that uh, in the United States we're we don't have as much. We don't have as many venues to play for the musician. Do you find that true at all? And maybe you don't you don't even I know. know I'm not sure. In Japan, they're really hip to the kind of music that we play, and you know we hope to get out there and tour sometime. We just have to get the right inroads, so to speak. Um, but every every country is different. Um, you know, in, there's in Spain. It seems I've traveled around Spain. It seems like there's some towns with a lot a lot of live music venues. But still, you know, compared to places like New York, it's it's you know, very few cities have that amount of <laughs> great live music venues. Yeah, and I'm here in you know Hollywood, just down the street, and everything's pay to play for the uh, you know upcoming right. musician. Yeah, if yeah, you can get the I, if you can get them if you can fill up the bar with people buying drinks, you can you can play for free. But it, you, know, you better have that following, right? That's what it's all about. But I I gotta say though, L.A., New York, Chicago, um, those are large markets. And anytime you you play in large markets, you it, don't expect to make any money. You know, or if you do, <laughs> you're amazing because of, they all have really tough uh, rules like that. We've always done better in smaller markets, smaller towns where, right. um, you know, there's less competition, less overload, and clubs are more laid back about that, and, and people come out to see you, and it's kind of, everybody's more appreciative. No, not to disrespect, but, you know, we love playing in New York City. We've had some of our best shows there, and we played right. in L.A. Uh, 
we played at MacArthur Park a few years ago. There was a concert series there. And, um, it was a blast. So I don't know. Um, it is what it is. You know, you just got to make it happen if you're passionate about it. Sometimes well, starting out first, like you said, you have to have the uh, you have to have a, a great product, and, and this album is a great album. This is um, J.W. Nigerian on with On Purpose Magazine speaking to Joe Denenzen, um, the leader of the group uh, Stratospherius, and we're talking about the album, The Next World. Uh, I really appreciate your time, uh, Joe. I know you're busy. It took a while for us to get this uh, together, this interview, and so I appreciate you coming on today. We, we had a little fumbling and tumbling before we started, so I really appreciate your pre your patience. You're um, your a great interview. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on the show and um, taking the time to do it, and um, appreciate you supporting our music and spreading the word about the band. So no problem. Everybody who uh, listens... Oh, did I cut you off? Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, everybody who's uh, listening to this, go on the page, click on uh, click on the links, go go check out uh, the website, uh, go listen to some of the music. Uh, just go pick up the album. I'm telling you right now, you'll really enjoy it. Um, oh, one of the cuts on there I wanted to mention really quick, a climbing country. All you country people out there, great country tune. Yeah, sort of a country ballad. That was co-written by Mac Price, who who's from Texas, and that element uh, really comes through. And I've always enjoyed bluegrass and sort of I, I can I can fiddle. You know, I don't know a lot of fiddle tunes specifically. I know a few, but I can fiddle, uh -huh. fiddle pretty well. And <laughs> that's just, it's more of a, like a pop rock country ballad with uh, that goes into a bit of a fusion territory in the second half. Yeah, it was really nice. I really enjoyed it. Anyway, everybody, go to the site. Check out the uh, check out the, the new album, The Next World, and check out the websites. And Joe, I, I thank you so much for coming on today. Would you uh, like the last word? Uh, just want to thank you again, and thank all the fans out there for supporting the band. And uh, please donate to our Kickstarter campaign. Help us make a video. Go to our website; it's all there, and um, we have some great uh, musical prizes available if you help us out. So uh, thanks again and rock on. <laughs> this is J.W. Nigerian with uh, Joe Denison with On Purpose Magazine wishing you a great day and an even better tomorrow. Thank you for listening to our Made in Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine. You can find On Purpose Magazine at onpurposemagazine.com. On Purpose Magazine and JW On Purpose is the property and is a trademark of Meta Media Group, and this audio is copyright 2012, and all rights are reserved.